You're listening to a 58 Ember production. Hey everyone, I'm your host Emily and welcome to Sideline Edit. Here I'll be curating and breaking down what's trending in the world of sports on and off the field. I'll leave you with just the right amount of information so that you can join in on any sports conversation and not feel totally lost. You'll know what the big game of the week was, what event to be on the lookout for next, what team is hot, who had the best game day fit, because trust me, the game day fashion is elite. And I'll also just be filling you in on who some of these main characters are so that you can get a better understanding of why I and so many other people out there are just so obsessed with the world of sports. And I always say, I truly think sports are the best reality TV out there. And so I'm excited for you to see that too. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and happy new year. First episode of 2024. Thank you for being here. And honestly, what a week. New year. Lots happening this week in sports. If you tuned into basically any of the games this week, you got an idea of why I say sports are the best reality TV out there. We had upsets. We had games go down to literally the last second. We had overtime. We had refs not doing their job. We have some personal stories. Truly All of the things happened this week. Let's start with the second to last week of the regular NFL season, week 17. And we might as well start with the first game of the week, Thursday night's game, New York Jets at the Cleveland Browns. And the reason I'm bringing up this game is because I just need to take a pause because the reality of this game is just so, so far from what any of us thought this game would be at the beginning of the season. Like when you think about this matchup of the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns at the beginning of this season, it is just so, so far from what we expected. The Jets had had all the hype in the world around them with Aaron Rodgers. People were saying they were Super Bowl contenders. And then the Browns had Deshaun Watson. They had secured that huge deal with them, excited about rebuilding around him. And our current reality is just so different. Just so, so different. And you've heard me talk about the Browns and the Jets, I feel like, a good amount this year. As you know, they've been starting former Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco the past five weeks, I think now. In this game, Joe is against his most recent former team while playing on a former divisional rival team. And so most recently, Joe Flacco was with the Jets and they did not sign him on for this season. And then when Aaron Rodgers gets injured in week one, Joe's just sitting at home in New Jersey, basically like waiting for a call, being like, I'm here if you need me. I'll take the call. And the Jets never call him. And now he's with the Browns. And with the win in this game, he secured the Browns going to the playoffs. Since 2002, this is only the second time the Browns have gone to the playoffs. And this now makes Cleveland the first team in NFL history to make the playoffs after starting four different quarterbacks in the same season. 
And I've said it before, this is the season of the backup quarterback. And the fact that Joe Flacco is the man with the job is just still just such a good story to me. At the end of this game, the Browns were chanting Flacco. And it was just surreal. And all his former Jets teammates were coming up to him. And you can just tell how like loved and respected he is in this league. And also just like how humble and grateful and like giddy he is that he gets to be doing this because it's truly such a unique opportunity that he has right now. And again, I'm now a low-key Browns fan. Who knew? And now next I want to cover the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys. This was a great competitive game. We knew both of these teams were going to the playoffs. And with everything going on this week, I thought I'd like glaze over this game if even mention it at all. But the last drive of this game has become a major story in the NFL. And so I simply can't just glaze over it. And don't get me wrong, the rest of the game, it was a good competitive game. It was a fun game. I watched the whole game. Good game to watch. But we need to dive into this last drive of this game. The Lions are down by one touchdown with less than two minutes left. The score is 13 to 20. In just this whole drive, there are fouls that just aren't being called. And overall, the refs of the NFL this year have gotten a lot of criticism. And my main critique of them is that we have had a lot of these last drive of the games deciding drives this year, which is awesome. It makes for a very exciting game. But there's been quite a few instances where the game literally comes down to whether or not a team can score to get the win or they lose. And so obviously the refs being accurate on these drives is very important because these are high stress situations. And for some reason, whenever this is the case, and like I said, it's been pretty often this year, the refs can't pull it together and just simply be consistent in how they've been calling the rest of the game, how they've been calling all up until this last drive. Like, I'm just trying to ask for them to be consistent. And it's like all the rules go out the window on these drives. And it's just like a new rule book. And this is why fans get heated saying refs win the games for team. And it's just not fair to anyone because it discredits who wins. And then the people who don't win are mad. And I just feel like we keep seeing this over and over again. And so that's just like a little tangent and rant on what we've been experiencing. And you might have seen people who are into sports talk about this quite a few times this season because it just keeps happening. Like we just keep being disappointed by the refs and how they're handling these very like high pressure situations. And so back to this game, this last drive, the Lions make it down the field. Some obvious flags just weren't thrown, whatever. They still make it down the field. And they get the touchdown. And so now they can either kick the extra point to tie the game and have to go to overtime or go for the two-point conversion and just win the game out. And the coach of the Lions, Dan Campbell, he's aggressive with play calls. It's no surprise they're going for two here to just end the game. And so on the two-point attempt, the Lions get it. Their quarterback throws it to a lineman and he catches it and he gets it. And the Lions think they won the game and the Cowboys think they lost. But there's a flag on the lineman who caught it, saying that he was not an eligible receiver. And so, in the simplest of terms, on offense, not just anyone can catch a ball from the quarterback. 
only certain positions, like based on how you lined up, can be somebody who's eligible to receive a catch. And essentially, if you're doing something different, you need to report to the referee that you're doing that and that can make you eligible. And then the ref needs to tell the other team, the defense, that. And so they know who's eligible and who isn't. And so the flag here is that the person that caught the ball isn't eligible. Therefore, that play can't count. And there's just a lot of confusion watching it live because you see two linemen from the Lions go up to the referee before the play including the person who did catch the ball. You see him go up and they look to be reporting, but apparently the wrong one of them reported and the one that didn't is the one who caught the ball. And it ends up just being a terrible, disappointing mistake. And afterwards, everyone is obviously mad. The Lions had told the refs about this play prior to the game. So the refs were aware that this was a possibility. And in the NFL, players and coaches can't talk badly about refs or they get fined. And we saw this a few weeks ago when Patrick Mahomes was really heated about an offsides call. He got fined because he spoke out about the refs. And so there's just a lot of obviously contention about this. And so back to the game, the Lions go for the conversion again, but Dallas is offsides. And so they have to go again and the Lions don't get it. And so Dallas wins this game, putting them closer to potentially winning the NFC East. And Dan Campbell and his Lions are obviously disappointed. A lot of people were calling Campbell out, saying at any point prior to the three different tries, the Lions could have just kicked an extra point and gone into overtime. But that's not their style, and that's not what happened. And that was just a lot to truly break down 20 seconds of actual football but again it was just a big topic and I couldn't leave it out and this ref team has actually been demoted because of their performance in this game and so they cannot ref in the playoffs because of everything that happened and this is kind of nice to see because basically now we're saying oh you can't just be bad at your job and still get to do it next week because that's what we have seen all season is just inconsistency from refs and then they get to go and do it the following week and so nice to see a little bit of backlash for them and I feel like this is something that is going to be talked about more and more in these type of situations and so I feel like having this context now is helpful and we had quite a few other close games this week but one game that was not close was the Miami Dolphins at the Baltimore Ravens There was a lot of hype going into this game because this was the battle for the top of the AFC. And the Ravens just ended up dominating this game, winning 56-19. Harbaugh, Lamar, and the Ravens just look like the team to beat this year. In a more surprising upset, we have the Philadelphia Eagles losing to the 4-12 Arizona Cardinals. And I feel like Every week, the past few weeks, I'm like, okay, I know the Eagles lost, but like, how worried should we actually be? They're going to turn it around. But then they keep losing. And this is to a four-win team. And I don't think we can say anything other than we should be worried for Philadelphia. And it's looking like Dallas is going to take the NFC East from them. And they're going to be a wildcard team, which we did not expect earlier in the season, but they just, they can't get it together. 
The New Orleans Saints beat division rival Tampa Bay Buccaneers, making that playoff seed for the NFC South still undecided. That NFC South is just keeping us on our toes this year. In another divisional rival game, the Green Bay Packers beat the Minnesota Vikings, giving the Packers a shot at being one of the wildcard teams. And then we have the season finale this week of the NFL, our final week, and we still have a lot of playoff spots that have not been decided. So definitely stay tuned for my Friday episode so I can let you know what games are the big difference makers in our season finale this upcoming week. Now, I want to transition to college football as we had our final bowl games this week in the first round of the college football playoffs. And we've talked before about how there are so many, and in my opinion, too many bowl games. And so the only bowl game outside the playoffs I want to touch on is the Georgia FSU game, the Orange Bowl. And these are two teams that we thought were playoff contenders all season. And then when the playoff rankings came out, they were just on the outside of those rankings. Georgia made sense they were on the outside, not being a conference champ. And then FSU fans were extremely upset and disappointed, trying to sue, trying to change laws, change conferences, all the things because they did not get a playoff spot. And I personally, I felt conflicted about it at the time, but at the end of the day, I felt like FSU at that time was not as competitive as the teams that made it in and just felt like if they were in either of those games, they would have lost. And so it just kind of made sense to me in the end. And so the thing about bowl games is that players don't have to play in them. You can opt out. And players will do this primarily if they have plans to go to the NFL next season because it's not worth it to them to potentially get injured. And it basically gives them an extra month of not practicing and playing that lets them get healthy and in shape for the NFL draft. And players could also opt out because they are planning on transferring to a different school. And for the same reason, they don't want to be injured and they want to be in shape for their future. And so essentially, this is players saying that a bowl game is not as important as my health and my future, which personally makes sense to me. And so when you have a good team with a lot of potential NFL players or players that want to get more playtime at a different school, a decent amount may opt out. And so the actual team playing in the bowl games is likely a different team than the team that played all year. And people have a lot of feelings about opting out, especially now with NIL deals, which I haven't gotten into here, but plan on breaking it down more in a future episode because the business of NIL and how it's changing college sports is honestly just fascinating. But essentially with this game, the Georgia FSU game, Georgia destroys FSU, beating them 63-3. to And on one side, you have people saying, this is why FSU shouldn't be in the playoffs. This is why they aren't there, because they aren't competitive enough. And on the other side, you have FSU fans saying, all of our good players opted out. And so I went to look up to see how many players from each of these teams opted out, because obviously Georgia has people that opted out too. 
FSU had 12 players opt out and Georgia had 10. And so a significant amount from each team, 12 and 10, that is substantial. But again, happening on both sides of the ball. And the story of opting out and how it affects bowl games and their viewership of them is something that will be talked about after the season is over. And so I just wanted to drop this here because it's a can of worms that we will definitely be revisiting because again, it's dramatically changing these bowl games. NIL is such a big thing that's constantly changing right now. And so we will be diving into this more once the season is wrapped because I'm interested to see what things will be put in place because of this, because no one wants to watch a 63 to three game. But I do want to move on to the two college playoff games we had. As much hate as the college playoff committee got, these games were great and didn't disappoint. And sometimes these college playoffs have really disappointed And so I honestly love this for us that both of these games were just so good. First game was number one Michigan against number four Alabama. And the big thing with Michigan this year has been Michigan versus everyone. And we've talked about how Michigan has just had a lot of controversy this year. And for Alabama, it's been all about their early season loss to Texas, just making everyone doubt how good they are. And personally, I'm shook how long... (laughs) We talked about this Texas loss, but that's all just because of the current setup of college football. You can't lose. Like, you just can't lose or you're out of the playoffs. And so this matchup with the Rose Bowl, this is the most iconic of the bowl games. And again, it was just a great back and forth game that ends up in overtime with Michigan winning and securing their spot in the championship game next week. I'm personally happy about this win for Michigan. They did overall just look better the whole game and the whole season, but they kept just making like little costly mistakes, but I'm glad that in the end, in my opinion, the stronger team won. Our second playoff game was number two, Washington versus number three, Texas. And this game went down to literally the last second of the game. Texas was down a score and was on the last drive trying to score to win it. Time is running out. And on two plays in a row, Washington players get injured, which stops the clock in favor of Texas because Texas needs the clock to stop so that they can have more time, whereas Washington wants the clock to keep going so that they run out of time. And so their own injuries are essentially hurting them in these cases. And I'm relieved that. Texas doesn't get the score and Washington wins because it would have been awful to lose because your own players got injured. I'm happy for Washington going to the championship. They are a fun, fun team to watch. Am I worried for them in the championship? 100%, but we will dive into that on Friday's episode. And I want to end this episode on Jim and John Harbaugh. You've heard me talk about both of them this season. Many of you probably know who they are, especially after that 2013 Super Bowl. But if you don't, this is a fun tidbit for you. John Harbaugh is the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens and is big brother to Jim Harbaugh, head coach for Michigan. And like I mentioned, in 2013, both of them were NFL head coaches and we got to see them coach against each other in the Super Bowl, which was historic to have brothers coach against each other. And then this weekend, we got to see John Harbaugh clinch the number one seed in the AFC 
and Jim Harbaugh advanced Michigan to the college football championship game. And so just a big week for the Harbaugh family. And there's a chance Jim Harbaugh will be making his way back to the NFL as early as this upcoming season. And so we will definitely be on the lookout for that. He has hired an agent, and so it is very possible, which would be exciting to see him back in the NFL. And that was my very quick rundown of just some of the things that happened in sports this week. A lot of things that I feel like didn't actually have to do with the game specifically, but more about the people involved, which I feel like is always interesting. And a lot of little things that have been opened that we'll definitely be revisiting later. And so as always, thank you so, so much for tuning in and I will see you on Friday. This has been a 58 Ember production. For more shows, please visit the 58 Ember channel, 58ember.com, or find us at 58 Ember Media on socials.